I go on dates with a lot of non-binary folks and cis women too, but like it tends to just go faster, like in terms of like a getting to a let's have sex if it's a cis man, almost mm. always. Unless I'm going out with like a, someone with a very butch presentation who is kind of more aggressive in their dating and courting style. If it's like me, a femme, and I've been going on dates a lot with like other very femme cis women, it's uh, the longest dance of is getting the to the piercing the tiebreaker. Like you, <laughs> it's you, it's me, <laughs> femme, femme. Ring. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But first, a word from our sponsors. We all know cognitive behavioral therapy works, but you don't always need to hire a whole therapist to deal with the minor stresses of daily life. Therapy guides you through courses on jealousy, imposter syndrome, and more. Download the Therapy app for your mental health at manhorpod.com slash therapy. The Handy is leading a sex toy revolution for the dick havers. So you're going to want to get this one wrapped around your cock with free shipping when you use promo code BILLY20 at thehandy.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the Lonely Mans, the Pelosi fans, and all the sex worker stands. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. You know, in our Discord server, The Champagne Room, we have a channel called Pure Positivity. Because in the world that we're living in, you know, very easy to be panicked and scared and frightened and uh, upset and to bitch and to moan and complain and to, pat. you know, we wanted to have at least one place that was dedicated to positive vibes, positive announcements, positive news. And considering what happened last week, you know what fucking happened. I thought it would be nice to kick off this week's episode with some positive sex work related news because, uh, you know, that type of news does not come around very often. Uh, headline in The Age or The Aggie, I, I don't speak Australian, it, it's spelled A-G-E, so one of my Aussie fan whores can hit me up and let me know how to pronounce that, but the, but the headline reads, Victoria to decriminalize sex work in world leading move. Victoria is one of the states or territories of Australia. It's it's not just a lady named Victoria loudly screaming, I now declare whores decriminalized. Nope. Which, by the way, Australia, they got six states. It's like a similar size to the United States. We've got 50. I got to feel like they look at us like, hey, US, why you got to be so extra? We did it in six. You need 50? No wonder your country's fucking nuts. But Victoria is going to go full decriminalization of sex work over the next two years. Amazing. They're going to join New Zealand, as well as uh, the Northern Territory and New South Wales. I don't know where New South Wales is. I honestly don't know where uh, Old South Wales is or Normal Wales is. I'm an American, and I do not know geography. Now, under the current laws over there, as I understand it, uh, street-based sex work is a crime. 
but selling sexual services at either like a registered brothel or escort agency or as a private sex worker with like a permit is allowed. And for obvious reasons, you can understand why that's a bit problematic, you know, to get like a personal license. You got to be in a, in a somewhat privileged positions at times, you know, you know, someone who's doing survival sex work doesn't always have time to fill out fucking paperwork. And then to work at like a brothel or, or, or escort agency, well, now you got to work for someone else. And like what type of people get to own businesses? Do I have to say it? I don't. The article reads, quote, on Friday, the government announced it would begin a two-year legislative overhaul, starting with the removal of offenses and criminal penalties for consensual sex work with the aim of having it passed by parliament by the end of the year. As part of the industry shakeup, sex work will be regulated through existing government agencies and public health and anti-discrimination laws will be updated to support a decriminalized system. Labor will also work with local governments to update planning laws, paving the way for the change. Just just take a little notice there. Instead of asking sex work to change and conform to regulations, the regulations are going to change for sex work. What? Quote, we want to make sure street-based sex work is decriminalized and the requirement for individual sex workers to register with the government is removed. A spokesman for sex work law reform, Victoria, said, and MP Fiona Patton simplified what the change will mean. She said, it simply extends to all sex workers the occupational health and safety, welfare, and taxation coverage of any other employee. That's what it's supposed to look like. It doesn't need to be regulated with a bunch of, you know, testing requirements that we don't require of Tinder matches who still try to raw dog anyway. Okay. It doesn't come with like license fees. It doesn't force you to work for some dude who can afford to open a brothel. It just lets you do your goddamn business. Pay your taxes like any other self-employed person and have a nice fucking day. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to a friend of the pod, Caitlin Bailey from Old Pro Productions, because I found out about this news uh, through her newsletter. One of the, probably one of the only newsletters I actually open. I sign up for newsletters, you know, you want to support, but it's like, you know, it gets in the inbox and I go, oh, cool, they're doing a thing, but I, I, I don't open it. I open this one. So if you want to stay up to date on sex work related news, positive and not as positive, uh, head on over to uh, oldproinkinc.com and uh, sign up for the newsletter. Because uh, let me tell you, uh, there's a lot, a lot of not good news happened. Unless you've been living under a fucking rock, uh, you know that OnlyFans announced last week is going to remove sexually explicit content from the platform. I imagine it's going to be similar to the Patreon rules, you know, uh, soft dicks only and don't get too close to the vulva. Those are those are kind of the rules. And like probably no pissing millions of content creators on OnlyFans, um, you know, rightfully so freaking out. A lot of people, especially during the pandemic, you know, found uh, financial comfort and security selling some nudes on the internet. Over the last like year and a half, a lot of people kind of became porn stars or or really popularized and mainstreamed kind of a porn category that that was not nearly this big before 2020. And I'll be announcing what I'm going to be doing uh, as, as I make those decisions. So just stay tuned. Make sure you're signed up for my mailing list at manwhorepond.com. And uh, even now, you know, it's almost a week after the initial announcement. And there's still a lot of like lack of clarity, a lot of confusion 
Why did this happen? Who do we have to be mad at? Where will these adult content creators go next? Uh, you know, a lot of this is still up in the air and unknown. But to help bring some clarity to the topic, um, I've brought on via Zoom a Twitter friend of mine, Amberly Rothfield. She is a, she's a sex worker, phone sex operator type marketing consultant, and she's uh, she's become over the last couple of years. I've like watched her become more and more uh, a leading authority in the porn industry. So if anyone was going to have at least a few answers for us, it was going to be her. Let's chat with Amberly Rothfield. I guess if it's a, a more of a title thing. Um, yeah, title. <laughs> um, a sex worker and model marketing consultant. Sure. Okay. That's right, cool. Sure. What, Sorry. What are your titles, my, my lady? Uh, what? <laughs> Dame Amberly Rothfield. Um, Do you have yeah. a parchment with your family tree? Yeah, it's like <laughs> I should make a crest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a sex worker crest? We should have sex worker crests, honestly. I, I, I like it. I like the idea of it. I feel like it would be like a stiletto crossing a dildo. Okay, honestly, but like, yes, that needs uh, to be a Trademark, thing. trademark, trademark. Okay. <laughs> that would be great. I love that idea. Do you ever see A Knight's Tale and like there's the whole thing where they had to like fake the family seal then with the parchment? Okay, cool. That's yeah. what I thought of. When, anyways, That's actually uh, where my mind went to, but I was like, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. I'm, I, Ma'am, that is the nicest thing you could have said to me. Uh, I am. Aww. I normally do not get the you're not old enough. I normally get the like, okay, boomer. <laughs> I'm, I, that's what I usually get. No, I thought you were younger than me. I'm 34. I'm 32. 34. Oh, I mean, like, I appreciate that you think this looks 32. This up here is like definitely 32. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I uh, I was in California a couple weeks ago and I apparently lost my license in an airport on the way there. I don't realize that until I get to uh, this bar that required both vaccination and an ID. So now I show them the, the vaccination thing and then I go like, oh, fuck, I left my I don't where's my license and I go, lady, I'm just, you know, here's my thing. And I, I'm look at this uh, up here is definitely over 30. I swear I can drink legally. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. I'm so sorry for your loss of hair. Come on in, you? have a drink. It's okay. I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> I love how cavalier you are about it. Um, I've not, I actually didn't notice that when we were in New York. Well, I am here right now with a sex worker and marketing consultant, Amberly Rothfield. Bonjour. Hi. <laughs> Bonjour. Good morning. Uh, I mean, I, I wish it were better mornings. I, I wish we were talking under more fruitful circumstances, but uh, some shit has gone down and the general public has been reading headlines, probably not reading articles. Uh, and, you know, I think it would be better to hear from you what's been happening. In fact, before we, we started, you were like, did you hear what happened with Frisk? And I was like, no, no. No. Do you do you want to tell me what happened with Frisk? And tell people also what Frisk is. Uh Frisk was actually started before like the OnlyFans blow up. Um, which the, any site that started before the OnlyFans blow up, I'm less concerned about than the ones popping up now, just because profiting from panic is a thing in any industry. But uh, they didn't haven't had the best run when it comes to cybersecurity. And uh, yesterday they got hacked in like in an obvious way where all the images were changed to like hacked symbols. 
and all of the prices on everything were changed. <clears throat> and they said the, their entire backends looked wonky. Their information wasn't there, which I don't know if that's a thankful thing or like, does the hacker have it? Like, it's still concerning. Frisk has, Frisk got hacked. Um, I've been kind of chronicling the, I hate this. I hate being the Lorax. No one wants to be the Lorax. Um, and uh, I've been chronicling the downfall of OnlyFans for a while because there's been some cracks in the ground uh, for over about a year and a half now. But the reason why they went down, um, they claim it is due to uh, pressure from Visa MasterCard. Now, unless they got something different that all of the other platforms didn't get, which is possible, right. the Visa MasterCard changes. Honestly, it's stuff creators won't notice. It's stuff that makes us, because full disclosure, I also work for Adult Empire um, as their model marketing consultant. And um, from them and also some other platforms that I've worked on in the past, I, I saw the MasterCard rules. And it wasn't anything of concerning to, to creators. Like, it's no reason for us to, like, shut down. That's been something models are asking our other platforms going to be shutting down. Now, again, they could have got something different because they've been under a lot of scrutiny. But uh, the biggest thing that caused scrutiny was they weren't following proper 2257 law. Um, for, right. For totally. Of course. Right. The 2257, you know, the way better than the 2256, in my opinion. Uh <laughs> Really doesn't have the kick of the two two five twos from a few years. I, I don't. No, I'm kidding. What the fuck is that? <laughs> sure. Sorry. Uh, hi. Getting too technical here. Doesn't everybody know? No, that that's a thing. Uh, partially because of OnlyFans, a lot of people don't know what two two five seven. A set of laws came down that said if you have a pornographic uh, image or video, you have to have documentation proving that person's over eighteen and that they also consented to you being able to post this. So you have the legal right to post this content, and everybody involved was over eighteen. While OnlyFans had you upload documentation to them, it there's very specific documents that 2257 requires. Uh, I am no attorney. I highly suggest uh, talking to an adult industry attorney to make sure you're compliant. So it's industry standard. On top of that, there's also, so now we've proven that you're 18. You also have to prove that you have a model release. And OnlyFans tried to make that simpler by just like, if me and you made content, then I would tag you, and and since I already sent in my information to tell OnlyFans I'm 18, and my me accepting the tag, that's me saying, oh yeah, I consent. Well, that's not that's not good enough necessarily. Do you not think that's good enough, or is that just not good enough for legally. like um, illegally? Okay, because yeah. that's what <laughs> I've been doing. I haven't. I don't. I haven't. I don't even know what a two two five seven looks like. I've just been sticking to like. Do you have an OnlyFans? I have an OnlyFans. Oh, we can just tag each other, and that counts as our ver age verification. Personally, I think it should be as simple as that because that shows consent. We both know we're eighteen, and then. I mean, I love you to death. I don't have to give you my personal information. Mm -hmm. I don't, that that opens me up to more creative. Wait, wait, wait. Is, can... is Amberly Rothfield not your real name? <gasps> I feel so lied to. Oh, gags. <laughs> gags, right? Um, but that opens you up to more creators that you could then work with. Yeah. Is there a singular reason as to why uh, OnlyFans is removing sexually explicit content? Um, I will give uh, the official reason. I will give what makes more sense, and then I will give my theory. <laughs> right. Um, 
So the reason that they stated and they came out is they said they couldn't, they, they caved into payment processors, but that that's their official posted reason on their Twitter. I call bullshit that that caused huge panic in our community. Cause people were like, Oh my God, all the other sites are going to fall. No, we're fine. Like we're not even, our trees aren't even being shaken. So no, like platforms are going to be fine. Only fans isn't. So then in other publications, they, you can also see them talking about how they were looking for eventual venture capitalists and they couldn't, nobody wanted to um, fund them. Which so bullshit because Cindy Gallup probably has a nice list of people who would love to invest in adult, you know, in adult industries. I love you for saying that. Um, but like even to that, I made it I made a tweet where I was like, why didn't you turn to us? You could have done something, but it would be truly revolutionary to I don't know, allocate five percent of OnlyFans to sex workers and whoever contributes to it like gets a portion like dividends back it would be complicated to set that up but it could be done and they have the money to do it and like we've proven that we make the money like we can do it so that was kind of their secondary reason that that was also listed came directly from them what makes more sense given again what other platforms were given mastercard's reasoning um and again unless they got something sent that we didn't and i don't see why they would have it was also the combination of having to comply with 2257 laws. Uh, what should we be expecting next? Sites that have been in the industry for 20 plus years, I think are the safest places to go to. Uh, some people think I'm a shill for AVN stars, literally don't work for them. But I feel that's one of the safer places to go because AVN's been in the industry for 30 years. Go, I hate to say go with tried and true names, but like A, smaller sites are at risk, higher risk of getting attacked and having more chargebacks. And newer sites have a higher risk of chargebacks because... Uh, the fraudsters who got kicked off every place else are going to go there first. And I think we should get ready for more shutdowns from major sites. Not necessarily. I know. I hate, I hate that. I hate telling people, hi, get ready for worse. But like Twitter, honestly, Twitter does the same thing. Has the only same problem. OnlyFans does. We can upload porn without 2257 whatsoever. So either they're going to ban adult accounts or they're going to force us to purge everything, which Twitter purging would be a lot harder than OnlyFans purging. You know, something that it feels nice is that I I know I have personally been getting a lot of DMs and I see this in the comments of a lot of like articles or in on the comments on posts or the replies to tweets of of well-meaning people in the public trying to problem solve for us, which is uh, it's nice. It's adorable. Like every, it's adorable and it, it comes from a nice place and like it, it, but it's tiring for me and I'm not even like a full, I'm not like a sex worker full time, right? Like that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a side hustle sex guy. You're a side I, hoe. I'm a side hoe. Oh, there you go. I'm going to put that in the Twitter bio, side hoe. Uh, it's <laughs> a comedian, podcaster, side hoe. Uh, I, <laughs> it, it's just like, it's tiring for me because I now I feel like I got to correct, uh, say like, thank you. That, but here's not why this, here's not why this. So I, I kind of want to just like pepper you with some of the things that people go through and then you can just shoot them down to me on the podcast. And now everyone can know why these things are not the result. One of the first things I, I see is like crypto. Why don't you all just switch to crypto? Why can't you do that? 
Because most crypto wallets don't accept sex workers, even if you don't even process a sex worker transaction, if they figure out by some weird proxy that you are indeed a sex worker, they will delete you. But I thought the whole point of crypto was like you could do black market shit. Like I thought people like were buying drugs and child porn and guns with crypto. That is the narrative that the that the news spun for a very long time. Because think about it, like news. Uh, what was it? John Oliver did like this segment on how you can basically buy the news, um, and it's hundred percent true. I own a rage room, and we paid an absorbent amount of money to a local news station. And uh, they gave us a segment, not like as an ad, but like a, oh my gosh, we want to profile this hot new idea. Well, well you paid a news channel to cover something? It's called native marketing. Yes. So banking and industry doesn't want crypto to be a thing. So early in crypto's life, they started paying a lot, doing a lot of native marketing to make people think that this was hot journalism, these hot takes of these journalists, but it actually was just a paid ad that they then had a journalist proctor. Wow. Another thing people keep saying is obviously the one where they go like, oh, someone will start a new platform. And why is going to any of these new platforms not like the it doesn't why doesn't it feel like the safest uh, solution? Um, th- Because new platforms, there's so much that goes into creating a platform. And if it wasn't, I think Tyga fact- announced that he's he's a, he, he's launching a platform, right? I want to cry softly. Um, <laughs> when, it, Especially when it comes to more celebrities, I have to question whether or not they're just white labeling something and someone's just putting their name on it. Um, but it's, I got tapped to help create a new platform by a company that's been around for over 20 years. I thought it would be so much simpler. And like there's nights I cry myself to sleep. It is so frustrating. The security aspect of it, the random stupid laws you didn't know existed – chargebacks did you know that when you get a hundred dollar chargeback you get like let's say a customer buys something a hundred dollars that money goes back to the customer we as a platform pay an additional thirty dollars so we lost a hundred and thirty kind of like when a when like when a check bounces it's like when a check bounces um but we can't pass that off to models and we wouldn't like most platforms will not pass it off to models uh when it comes to new platforms as i think i i, I touched on this earlier the fraudsters and the bad actors go after new sites because what they can do is they'll set up an account, pretend they're a model, and then they'll send themselves a whole bunch of money using stolen bank accounts. And then they will, and then they'll also do it to other models to make it look legit and make it harder to catch this person. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's this slew of chargebacks that come through. Well, they just made off with a bunch of money. Um, so a lot of new platforms are just drowned in these sorts of transactions. Another thing people will say is like, well, you can still post nudity, just not sexually explicit content. Why is that such a big deal? If I have a store where I sell puppies and then I'm told I can't sell puppies anymore, but I can sell uh, fenders of 1964 Mustangs and only 1964 Mustangs, what are my clients going to do? Are there any other things that you see the general public or reporters or people who are commenting on the internet, like any solutions they're proposing that you're just like shaking your head and thinking like, oh, honey. <laughs> um, there's a lot. There's people that are suggesting using like, uh, they're like, I guess we're going back to Cash App and Cash App and Dropbox. And I'm like, Sesta Fosta, like they're, <laughs> Both of them are going to kick you off. 
there there's a bless them, bless them. Many, many people. They're like, Oh, well, uh, just there, there is a, there's a thread and I don't want to kick this creator. I know it's more of a creator thing, not necessarily customer thing, but it kind of, I've seen customers kick this around too. They're like, create your own payment processor, create your own banks. And I'm like, do you? That's like telling me, Hey man, just get on SNL. You should, you should try getting on Saturday night live. Have you, have you thought about doing the tonight show? Oh God! Thank you're you. You're in New York. Just like walk over. What? Where have you? What have you been? I'll doing? just text Jimmy. I'll be like, Hey, I'll come over. I'll do a set. What? You know what I mean? Like, I get like it's well-meaning, but it, like when I see people saying, "Just start your own uh, porn-friendly bank," I think like this is like when my aunt, you know, at Christmas says, "Like you should try to do SNL." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I, I'm gonna actually put a link in the show notes to Cindy Gallup had a great thread about like how she tried to start a porn-friendly bank and she had all these VCs and it was still prohibitively like impossible to actually do. And then, of course, there's a suggestion I see some people say, which is uh, uh, get a real job. I had to do a ton of data research to get where I am at. I pay more taxes than many people make in a year. And so when people tell me, oh, yeah, like get a real job. I feel like my job's a little real. Like if we're going to go based off how, how much I make, like once you make that statement, I'm allowed to come back and say my job's really than yours. I make more money than you. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, sex work bought me apartment complexes. It bought me the right in my apartment complexes to allow my tenants to have two years off of rent because of COVID. So try it again. Like I don't have, what? sorry, I get, heated. I get, what heated. you gave your tenants two years off. Do you have any idea how long it took me arguing my landlord from two apartments ago to get like, we eventually agreed on one and a half, like one month off. We also like, we pulled our kids out of school before, like Ohio was the first state to shut down. We were two days before that decision. Um, and we'd already made the decision at that point that we're probably going to give six months because we didn't know how long the pandemic would, would take. Um, and then of course, when the moratoriums happened, I was like, fuck it. I don't even, I don't even feel like keeping track. I'll just write it off as a tax write off. Cause we can do that. And, and also like, we live in a pretty depressed area. I didn't want to, it, 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 it got bad here. So I was like, I don't even want to like, I don't want to go through everybody's sob story and verify it. No, just screw it. You all get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's very nice of you to do. I, I, I wish there were tenants. more people out there like, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> I also have great tenants. Like, oh, I thought you are... said, I, I, th- I thought you said, I also have great titties. <laughs> I was like, I do. <laughs> I was like, what? They, they, they hang a little low. I can wobble them to and fro, but they are pretty awesome. Um, and, and, and Amberly, you know, most importantly, I want to ask, like, how are you doing? I, I don't know what sleep looks like. I'm really, really good with the caffeine pills right about now. But mm. I feel bad because on a financial in a financial way, I, I, I'm good, which I'm Jewish. So that makes me feel guilty. Um, but um, hey, emotion- guilt's a Catholic thing. Don't appropriate our culture. <laughs> I love you. Um, but yeah, like financially, I, I'm good, but that makes you feel bad on emotional. Like it's it's difficult going on Twitter. Like I knew about the frisk thing for hours before I tweeted about it. And I was like, do I, I feel like I'm kicking puppies. I feel like Aww. every tweet I make where I tell people something 
bad's happened and a lot of bad is happening right now, I feel like I'm kicking puppies. You know, we're also seeing people trying to profit from the panic. Um, I stopped all consultations. Like I'm not taking fees. I'm not, I'm doing classes. I refuse to take money from it because I don't want to profit from sex workers being kicked off of a platform and stressing out and freaking out. But I'm watching other people do do stuff and I'm just oh it's so it gets you it's yeah emotionally I'll 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 figure it out there's I love alcohol um uh, you, I mean but like do you have something uh, to to help take care of you do you have a support system for yeah. being a support system for everybody yeah no no I've got wonderful friends my family is amazing and then I think my cat was in the background for a minute but like I'm good I know to take breaks and I actually tell all sex workers that if you're beginning to freak out and whatnot a we're the most resilient people that have ever existed uh I'd like to say we're all together alone or rather we're to we're to get we're alone together and we always figure things out we always adapt so rather than freaking out in this moment go take like an hour to do something for you and i do that for myself as well um but but there's still work to be done so we we get back into it we figure it out and we we adapt and i know like two three weeks this will all calm down Mm-hmm. Well, uh, please Sorry. keep taking care of yourself because I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people need you. And it's, uh, I know following you and Ashley and, and, and Alana and them, it's, uh, you know, it definitely like helps calm me down because I'm like, if they're not freaking out, I won't freak out. If they're freaking out, I'll freak out. But if they're calm, I will try to stay calm. So thank you for bringing a calmness to a lot of people who honestly are in like worse situations than I'm in even. So uh, thanks for the work that you do. And Amberly, like where can people go to follow you and, and take in your work? Oh, sure. So I suggest going to AmberlyRothfield.com. Um, there's a newsletter section so you can sign up and um, that ensures that we won't lose each other. <laughs> um, but then I'm also on Twitter at Amberly PSO, at, like phone sex operator. That wasn't smart. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's my that's my Twitter handle. Fantastic. Well, everyone, go follow Amberly. Uh, she's a great resource uh, and someone I've been following on Twitter for years. And thanks for making uh, the time to chat. And, and why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? And if you want to tell them not to panic, you can tell them not to panic. Yeah, unless they yeah, should no. panic. Unless they should panic. You know, then no, we'll, no, we'll no. panic. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no, no, no need for panic. No need for panic. Uh, but thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Bye, guys. Definitely go follow Amberly. Uh, you know, follow. I'll have links in the show notes to all these accounts. But you know, follow Amberly, uh, Ashley Lake, Alana Evans, president of APAG, the Porn Union, uh, and Cindy Gallup, big name in sex tech. Uh, if you want to stay up to date with all this sex work stuff, you know, put more sex workers in your Twitter feed, in your Instagram feed. Uh, it's a great way to stay informed. It is interesting though, because there's really no clear one reason that I can seem to to gather. You ask five different people that give you five different combination of answers. but And I think they're all right. I think all of these things we're talking about, sex negativity in society, uptight payment processors, greedy platforms, SESTA-FOSTA. I mean, there's a ton of reasons why this has happened. And I'm sure it's going to take a ton of different things to actually fix it. But all the people can agree that the whole thing is just fucked up and unjustified because... Porn is legal. 
There's no reason why a porn star should lose her bank account when the bank discovers what her stage name is and they write her a check and say, we don't want your dirty money. What? It's legal. The people who caused the 2008 financial crisis, you know, they all have bank accounts and credit cards. No fucking problem. It's nuts to me. It breaks my brain. But you know what doesn't break my brain? People who support the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. So I'm going to do a quick Fan Whore Appreciation moment, okay? I want to give a shout out right now to Crystal Nimala. Hope I pronounced your name right. Hey, it was great meeting you at Man Whore Con. Thanks for being our collective mom. Making sure we all had bagels and coffee and booze. You were wonderful. I do hope we get to meet again. And thanks for supporting the show. Also, a big shout out to Curtis F. Hey, hey, how's my sound? Got any tips for the sound stuff? Am I doing okay? You shoot me an email. Let me know. You, he knows what I'm talking about. Thank you for being a fan whore on Patreon, Curtis. And you too can support the Man Whore Podcast and Billy Presida, who is uh, losing, going to be losing some OnlyFans income fairly soon. Uh, it's a great way to support the podcast. It's the way I'm able to keep this show indie. It's why all the podcast episodes are free. It's why I don't pack in like six sponsors in an episode, right? It's because like you're my sponsor and not for nothing, y'all are my favorite sponsor. Uh, so become a member today and support the pod you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Caitlin Reese. Uh, Caitlin is a fellow stand-up comedian. Uh, she's also a podcaster. She co-hosts a show called Straight Guys. Caitlin is also non-binary, demisexual, and tends to have a general lack of respect for people they have sex with. It was a fun conversation getting to know Caitlin. I hope you dig it. I hope you dig us. Small note, uh, it's fucking hot out here. At least in New York City, it is nuts hot. Uh, it did not seem like Caitlin had air conditioning. I wasn't going to ask. I'm not a prissy bitch, even though, you know, the microphones are pretty forgiving with AC. However, uh, Caitlin did have like the, the deck door open. So there was some sounds of the streets that are going to come in. But I just figure y'all could treat it like, uh, oh my God, it's like we're in New York City with them. So hope hope that's okay with you. If not, hey, Curtis, shoot me an email. Maybe you can give me some audio tips. Now let's get to my uh, conversation with Caitlin Reese. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by The Handy. The Handy is the hand job machine that is now going to put women on notice. There's now pretty good competition. The robots are coming and this one feels awesome uh, <laughs> our friends over in norway came up with an amazing sex toy for the penis havers and it's just it's the tits or is it the balls really well it works the shaft it's <laughs> and and what's so cool about the handy is you can actually have someone control it from afar there, there's someone in my life right now who, you know, she lives in a different part of Brooklyn. And if you ever look at a map of Brooklyn, I think people feel like New York City, we can all just like take three subway stops to wherever we want to go. But like I live in Bushwick. This lady lives in like downtown Brooklyn. That's like at least a half hour drive. It's definitely an hour by public transportation. And sometimes we're getting like really horny. Sometimes I would love to just like feel her mouth or her hand wrap around my cock and just... 
mm, tug up just the way I like. But then sometimes I've also like eaten an edible and I really shouldn't be out driving. Well, with the Handy's Wi-Fi capabilities, you I can give her my access code to the Handy and she can control the Handy all the way from downtown Brooklyn and give me a delicious hand job, varying the speed and the length of the strokes. And my friends over at the Handy, and we are friends now, you know, uh, we're on first name basis. You know, the Handy calls me Billy. I call the Handy the Handy. Well, my friends over at the Handy, they're going to give my listeners a special deal. Free, fast shipping from Norway when you use code Billy20 at thehandy.com. And since our friends are over in Norway, I mean, that free shipping, that's saving you like $20, $30, maybe even more. So one more time, you go to thehandy.com, T-H-E-H-A-N-D-Y.com. Use promo code B-I-L-L-Y-2-0 for your special deal. Now let's get to the show. I'm here with Caitlin Reese, who's a stand-up comedian and co-host of the Straight Guys podcast. Yes. You're not a straight guy. No, that was that was the joke. My manager is not happy that I have an ironic podcast <laughs> name. She's like, it's not marketable. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to tell the suits? Uh, they don't usually keep asking questions after what's it called. You right. Know, don't get an right. opportunity to explain it. Yeah. Uh, I was so- like, well, if we don't have enough sense of humor to understand that that's ironic, we look, we, I think we both look queer. My co-host looks more queer than I do, but. Well, it was interesting listening um so I see because like we've never we've never met in person for in the comedy scene. And so I go listen to the podcast and I look to faces and the voices at first I had swapped. Yeah. I thought your voice would have been to your co-host. I would have felt your, your voice would have been. Her. Yeah. She's higher pitched than me. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. it's like listening to Reply Guys. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we got Kate's on here. Julie's on here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Straight Guys, uh, a show with no straight guys allowed. Right. That's right. the only guest not allowed on that show is a straight man. <laughs> uh, is, is it also a band topic? no we i mean i fuck straight men so unfortunately there's there's a lot of there's a lot of platform given when we're talking about our weeks it's me usually just bitching about a horrible thing a straight man did either in the bedroom or attempting to date them i i was listening to your most recent one on the way over here and just i was like your unabashed like freedom to just shit on a date (laughs) who like though not being a great date wasn't like being so, like abusive so, but uh, you were just like no I'm just going to tear this asshole <laughs> apart and I'm yeah. like I don't have that bravery well it's it's a learned <laughs> skill I'm almost 40 and it's a learned skill to be like I'm just getting to the point of being able to end a date within an hour if I know it's terrible I still mm-hmm. have this inclination and I'm still bred as someone who's as I, you know, I was raised as a cis woman, so it's in my nature to be like, be polite, hear it out. Oh, this person bought you a drink. You now owe them something. You they you owe them this time and company, and you want them to feel good. And I'm like, it's still I'm still unlearning that I don't owe people things. Life is not a transaction. <laughs> I feel like the slow transition out of that is like even when you start realizing I don't have to be on these things. Then as like a comic, you go like, well, I should stay for the bit because like. What if something happens? Okay, right. I could write. I'll, I'll stay for the material, and then. Right. But like at this point, it's like I I got better things to do with my time. Yeah. Also, though, like you go through like 
when the only thing you're doing is predominantly dating outside of comedy, which is what I did for all of 2019, I was so tired of only having new bits about dating. Like I was like, please let me write about anything besides a bad date. Cause that's that topic. And that well is endless. Like I was talking to a guy on Bumble he started acting really creepy, and so I stopped responding. Mm. He signed up when my OnlyFans used to be public, signed up, took screenshots of my stuff, sent it to me because I had stopped responding, and he was mad about it and was yeah. like, I thought you were looking for a monogamous relationship, and I freaked out because I was like, oh, it's like my worst fear is that like I won't be able to find a loving monogamous relationship if I do this. Perf- it's, to mm. me, I view sex work as performance. Like mm. It's not me. This is... like. Uh, like an act you know and so it's uh i don't know it's just like to to think that like i'm not capable of being faithful or of like wanting the things that i say that i want when i'm like oh no i was in a 10-year monogamous relationship i have like, i can do this. i have the skills i have a resume yeah and i didn't do sex work for all of that time and with the right partner i'd probably just stop doing it too so it's like uh yeah yeah well i also am worried about uh being an unlovable ho uh <laughs> You know, are you I'm, monogamous though? I'm not monogamous, but like I, okay. I'm worried about that preventing me from being in like a loving relationship and and all that. Yeah, and you know whether it's for being kind of slutty at times or being non-monogamous or whatever. You know, there's uh, there's always stuff that I'm worried about. Like, oh, is this going to be the thing that makes me worthless to like a nice human being? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people on field though looking for their primary slut partner <laughs> yes field really is where it's at I, i've been seeing someone who's like new to non-monogamy and is like a little nervous about the the like being on like the main apps and like then trying to say oh but i'm in this i was like i don't feel like the monogamous people are the minority over there yeah you know it's almost like you better fucking dis- you hey you have to disclose you're monogamous right here. you gotta you right. have to feel like the weirdos on i this am app. i am the weirdo on field uh, and how is that for you bad i mean i <laughs> i joined when i was like going through my first hookup phase mm-hmm. at, at like the age of like 38 <laughs> uh which is insane and uh but i was like I was kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them. And so I was like, I'm going to be slutty. And I hated it. But I was just trying to prove to myself that I could be casual and like have sex and yeah. like not care. But I did care. And I felt terrible during the whole time. Wow. But during that time, I was on field and I was like, oh, I want to explore more because like I am a pervert and I am kinky. I just ideally would have this in a monogamous relationship where we express it. <laughs> and I just find that monogamous people tend to be very boring in the bedroom and not have a high sex drive. So I was like, can I have it all? Did you guys all hear that hate speech? <laughs> Against monogamous people. <laughs> I've le- I, I have heard people like complain, be like, people keep talking about monogamous people, like we can't have good sex. I'll be like, it's not that you can't have good sex, but I feel like the non-monogamous people tend to have better sex. Yes. I don't know. That's all. Yes. That's how I yeah. feel. Yeah. And so a very good friend of mine here locally actually just found someone on field. And what started off as like a hookup thing, they immediately realized like, oh, there's something like very real between us. And even though we weren't looking for that, they took themselves off a field. They've been exclusive. Now they're back on looking for like play with a third. So like they're monogamish because like they're mostly committed to each other. They want to occasionally have play together. I don't know how that will evolve for them, but um, that would be way too much for me. Because if I actually have feelings for someone, I like can't deal with fucking other people. But I would fuck my partner in public at a sex party. But like we're not touching other people. Mm -hmm. So there's like a world of things that that, like I'm willing to kind of like orbit around with being pervy. But I really just like 
want to focus it towards mostly like we take that energy and we bring it to each other. Yeah. So, but I haven't found a monogamous partner who's like not one even good at sex. There's not a lot of them that are even good at sex. <laughs> as, as you can listen to straight guys and hear about all the fucking, <laughs> all the people who are bad at sex with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the, the episode you heard then was that the guy with the shaky hands uh, going up my scurry was very mm. unnerving to have. I was just like, I felt like an 80 year old man was like trying to finger me. I was like, ew. <laughs> Quick question. So listen to that story. It was like, does that, does that guy use like both he and they pronouns? No, that's no, a straight okay, dude. Okay, because like I like how the in the beginning of the, you telling the story, you were using they, and then like as you got angrier, <laughs> I started revealing. You just went to he he fucking men. <laughs> well, I could. I think I try to like be a little because it's rare. I go on dates with a lot of um, non-binary folks and cis women too, but like it tends to just go faster like in terms of like it getting to a let's have sex if it's a cis man almost mm-hmm. always like it just will move faster really yes Can- i find that it takes a few more dates before if there's going to be like sex with a, especially a cis woman it's like who's going to make the first move and a lot of times unless i'm going out with like a, someone with a very butch presentation who is kind of more aggressive in their dating and courting mm-hmm. style if it's like me a femme and i've been going on dates a lot with like other very femme cis yeah. women it's uh, the longest dance of is getting the to the piercing the tiebreaker like you <laughs> it's you it's me <laughs> femme femme ring it's yeah you. yeah <laughs> I do find that with that with a femme cis woman, it does usually have to be me like making it flirty, asking for the first like I have to make the first move. Mm. Yeah, definitely the last the last woman I slept with, it was all me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that's about? I mean, like I would imagine it has to do with the whole you know a socialization aspect, but with like non-binary folks, what do you think that's about? I, well, all the non-binary folks that I've been with have been AFABs assigned female at birth. And so I still think that socialization piece is there that unless they've taken on the persona of like, just a more like, Oh, I like, unless that unless someone's like, and I can always tell from the apps pretty much how the courting is going to go. If they're like right out the gate, like saying that I'm beautiful, like put like making it a sexualized experience, then I'm like, okay, like we'll probably actually have sex <laughs> or this won't be an exhausting process to get to sex. And, and so with the last woman you slept with, it was, uh, it was all Caitlin. Uh, what, yeah. What, what, what and it's tiring. <laughs> it's very tiring. I, that's like the nice thing about, uh, like I'm not shy with sex. And so like when also with some, there have been cis men too, though, this is rare, but occasionally there've been some soft boys that I've dated that will not put the move out. And I'm just like, Let's get to it. Like I'm here. This is like the second or third date. Like I'm You're clearly not get yelled at. Like yeah, it's okay. yeah. It's I'm just like <laughs> let's go. Like and then they'll be like, and I've I've had more than one soft boy say to me, "We don't need to rush this." And I'm like, "This is the third date. I want to fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and so, so how do you like with the with women like with cis women like how do you move it along? Like how do you make the moves when you're both just staring at each other like who's it gonna be i'll just be i'll yeah. just uh, just be very honest and be like i think you're really beautiful and i want to kiss you how does that make you feel and then let them tell me like oh yeah like kiss me or you know i've never i luckily have not had a woman by the time i'm making the move go like oh god no you grossly misread the situation because usually i've waited too long also <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah uh i think the asking to to kiss is such an underrated move because people think it's a mood killer and i'm no. like if you do it right it's it can be so fucking yes. hot 
Yes. I love asking because one, it's like, I don't want to just put my face into your face. And then like, if I'm not confident that you want that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great way to clear it up. Yeah. Because I've also had that happen to me where someone kissed me and they misread it. And then we have this horrible, awkward kiss because I didn't want to kiss you. And I actually did that once in college to a guy. I definitely kissed him and misread the situation. And he was closed. He like was stonewalling me with no kiss back. And then at first, my brain didn't know what to do. So I went in for a second time. (laughs) I was like 18 and awkward (laughs) and also new to like dating because I didn't date in high school. I thought I was asexual. So I was like so new. And I was like, oh, but we're on a date and this is the end of the date. So like you missed it. So then I like put my head in again and he still did not want to kiss me. And I was just like, Oh, and I was like, I'm sorry, I misread this. And then I just like shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I heard like you're a bit of a late bloomer. What was, and, and you say you, you thought you were asexual. Yeah. What was that about? It sounds like you're not asexual. No. <laughs> well, I think this is like, I'm pretty old to just be really realizing this, but I think I've always been demisexual uh-huh. because there were like very attractive people in high school, both genders, who pursued me and I had no interest in them. And then it wasn't until there was one person in my high school that I was like slightly interested in because they had this like different persona that just didn't seem like a suburban boring town in Connecticut. Like they actually moved to our school from a different town. Mm. So it wasn't until I got to exotic. college. Yeah, that well, I was I like- I'm from Milford. <laughs> Oh my god! So, so I went to boarding school in Connecticut. For I know. Years. I don't know that, but the fact that you said Milford, I'm like, you clearly know Connecticut. Well, I know 95. I know 84 too. Ooh. Oh. He's like, I've been on 15. I've been on all that. Route 2A. I uh, I know that the exits for Mohegan Sun have changed because I have a gambling problem. Uh, they, they've renumbered all the exits. I love no. the idea of you just humble bragging all the highways you've been on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am a mediocre man, so it's like I do have to find things to to feel good about. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but so wait, so so you thought you were asexual in in high school? College? Yeah, because I just like didn't like anyone, and then I went to college, and I was always into hardcore punk music, and I but I didn't know people in my school who were into that. Like mm-hmm. they're just what the subgenre of like kids who are into alternative stuff. It was like death metal, and like that wasn't my scene. And so when I got to college, I like found my people and they had more of like the personalities that I wanted to vibe with at the time. And so then I got started getting into relationships and feeling sexual feelings, but I couldn't get there until I met people that I had like these commonalities or personalities that I could sync up with. And now I'm in a place in my life where like my biggest value is like the expression, like I'm very loving with my best friends like I express them how much I love them all the time so I'm realizing now in dating too that especially with a lot of cis men who are like very uncomfortable with the l word and very uncomfortable with the expression of emotions or just like viewing the world from a more like I'm very emotion based not just as someone who's been raised as a woman I'm just that's why I was a social worker you Mm -hmm. know like I'm very sensitive and so if I'm not like if I can't connect with someone in that way, I pretty much know automatically I'm like, you're never going to be one of my closest friends and we're never going to date. Um, so that's becoming clear to me that if I'm not seeing that that's how they kind of like, if they don't have that shared value with me, we're probably not going to progress. And that's more important than what they look like or 
anything. Sometimes I've actually found people very unattractive. And then upon like bonding with them, I'm like, oh, you're like the hottest person in the world to me. Yeah. Yeah. Does does the physicality, because sometimes I'll, if I click with someone hard, I start kind of getting more interested than I started to. And I I start to like find physical traits. I go like, actually, I do like this thing. Uh, Yeah. I do like the way that that smile dimples or I like this part or I like like your shoulders. I don't know. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So do you start to, so you start discovering physical things um, after you feel that click? Yeah. Like it's, there's been <laughs> two, two cis men who are objectively not attractive people. Like my friends were like, ew. <laughs> I'm picturing like half of an open mic right now. <laughs> that's a, a good, that's a good, that's a good picture. Like <laughs> literally the last guy that I was dating and I thought it might turn serious, I was so unnerved by what he looked like sleeping because <laughs> he's just, He's like really out of shape and like struggling to live the way he was sleeping <laughs> and just like not a good look and just like not just naturally and just not naturally a very attractive face. And he was just sleeping in this way that when I woke up and I turned over, I literally almost screamed. I was like, who is this guy I just slept with? Like, he's so gross. <laughs> and then as I kept seeing him, I just loved his personality so much and loved our weirdness together that like. I started to love his morning breath. I started to like things that are objectively gross. I was like, I love this about you. And I was like, wow, I am very much demisexual because if I didn't like him for his personality, I would have been like, yeah, he's just a gross dude. (laughs) He's just a really (laughs) gross dude who doesn't take good care of himself. But now that I know that like you're my weirdo and I love you and you're emotionally available, it's like, now all the things that I would normally just like look at objectively and go, that's a gross thing. <laughs> I'm like, I love it because it's my babe. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> but what gets you on to the, what gets you to the first date or the, like, what gets you to even sleeping with this person that it sounds like you weren't very attracted to? Because I kind of know that about myself. Also, I, so I'm, you'll fuck people on the off chance. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like after a few fucks, I might start to like them. And I then also... this gross chud will be a prince. <laughs> Or princess. I'm also insecure. A hello stand up comic, oh, and I like to, uh, I like to know that I'm. This is gonna sound awful, but it's true. I like to know that I'm out of someone's league. Yeah, I like dating below. Interesting. I r- almost never can handle dating someone who's conventionally very hot. Yeah. Like I like them to. I like the dynamic a lot, and I can't. I keep seeking it out. Where it's like. No one's going to look at them and be like, oh, wow, grade A gargoyle. But they're also not like, you might not also call them cute necessarily. There's somewhere in that spectrum <laughs> that I'm like, okay, like, I'm not like embarrassed to take you out in public, but also, you know, it's a big deal that you get to fuck this. And and does that carry over to like non-cis men as well? Yes. So you right now are sounding like a lot of people's dream girl. <laughs> I feel I feel like there are a lot of ugly people. Is I mean, I, all you listening right now are beautiful. <laughs> Your downloads are precious and sexy. But there are a lot of people who might hear this uh, who don't normally listen to my show, and uh, and then they're, they're just like, "Oh my god, this is, this might be a per- there's this type of person out there. I have a chance, yeah, uh, to find things." Did you? When did you feel like you were cognizant of that? Well, the first woman I dated that I actually was like. I was so un- physically unattracted, but she had such an amazing personality that she kind of wore me down. Like I, I was like saying In terms no. Of the asking out. Yeah, I was like saying no at first, and then she was like, just kind of not persistent and like an aggressive. It, it was actually came off very sweet to me. Like mm-hmm. even though she was like, "Oh come on, you're not even like giving me a chance," blah blah blah. And I was like, "Okay, fair. I'm not giving you a chance. Like let's go." And it was kind of like she, I called her 
bluff being like, no, I can, you know, give people a chance. And so then like we went on one date and I was like, she's, I was like, she's amazing. Even though I'm not conventionally tried. And I remember talking to friends being like, I feel guilty. Like I'm not supposed to do this. Like I should be swept off my feet with the way that they look from day one. And they're like, things can change. And then things did change with her. And when people ask me like the best sex I've had, it was with her. And it's not because of how, because of how things like looked at first. (laughs) Um, It's because like we ended up having like just very loving sex and we had like a really beautiful relationship for a period of time. And um, that meant more to me than like, Oh, like, you know, just for an example, she liked to do this thing as a joke where she would lift up her shirt and make her belly rolls uh, like do this way, do the wave. And then she would like sing like weird songs while she was doing it. So I mean like, (laughs) Not a look that most people would be like, ooh, baby. Give it to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she acted like a gross dude in a lot of ways (laughs) and uh, didn't really take good care of herself and like had health issues. And I just wasn't, it wasn't someone that like right off the bat, I was like, oh, wow, she's hot. I was like, oh, she's kind of homely looking. You had to kind of discover her hotness and her hotness wasn't about her body. Yeah. Yeah. Or her face. <laughs> Schultz, um, Andrew Schultz had a, made a point that I, I thought was, I mean, it's a comedic point, but I thought it was a good point. Um, there was like a discourse years ago about Serena Williams and like he called her ugly. And he's like, why does that have to matter? Like, why can't I think she's incredibly hot and be attracted to her because she's got the sickest backhand in, like, tennis history? Yeah. Like, why can't I think that that and her accomplishments are the things that make me attracted to her? Why do I have to also find her physically attractive? Why can't I be like, she looks kind of like a beast and I would marry her? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a good point. Like, we're, we're, if we put it all, all the value on this whole face situation. Right. You know? Why, right. Why, why that? Right. But... That partner said to me, um, you're the kind of girl that if I was at a party, I would be too intimidated to talk to you. Of course. And I loved it. I was like, I didn't know I loved it until she would say things like this all the time to me. And I was like, this is the first time that someone's been very honest about the fact that I'm like too hot for them. And I loved it. I was like, oh, I've never had someone put me on this pedestal. And so I like love that. And the last person I was just hooking up with was negging me even though I was objectively hotter than him <laughs> and he finally copped to it when I called him out about it because like he he said some things that were like were not kind about my body and I was like you're I was like fuck you like blah 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 we had this big fight and um and he finally copped to me and said uh you're out of my league when we first started dating I texted all my friends that I don't understand how this has happened like you're way too hot for me and I was like, he goes, and I don't want you to realize that you're too hot to be dating me. So I was like, oh, so you've been pointing out things on my body, like my scars and my veins to be like, yeah, just just remember that you're not perfect. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and how did that fight conclude? Well, I didn't break up with him. We were never officially together, but I didn't end it right then and there. But I definitely like put him in a different category and then i very slowly after that broke up with him Aye. yeah Aye. we had a we had a huge a huge though argument about it but i i go through weird phases of being like i'm uh, listening to the bu- the book the audiobook attached right now okay and i'm anxious and so me too I, yay <laughs> <laughs> everyone please don't leave me <laughs> so i definitely like i was hoping even though he wasn't officially my boyfriend he was this constant yeah and so i was like 
dating other people and hoping I'm like, I'll find a real partner and then I can get rid of you because you're my safety blanket, even though I know you're not good. So that's what I was doing. And then I finally was like, no, you got to get rid of the, the guy who says shitty things about your body. And when you call him out for it, he somehow made it about him. Uh, somehow. I mean, I thought that was the default. I yeah. thought that was uh, how it's supposed to go down. Yeah. Whatever happened with the, the woman best sex of your life? Um, I moved to uh, New York and she did not. Oh. Yeah. Shucks. Yeah. How long did y'all two date? Not that long. Well, it was maybe six months before I moved. But like when so that just it came up on our podcast talking about your best sex. And I was like, oh, I like I feel like I like emotionally came with her several times. And I was like, I had never experienced that before. You You seem to fuck people that you're just like really not into sometimes though. no i listened I, to a couple episodes <laughs> and i feel like i've exclusively heard stories about like you fucking people and before you had sex with them you knew you yes. weren't really in- i already don't respect them and i don't like them <laughs> it's it, it comes from a very bad place yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like a defeat where i'm like well i'm here i thought you were gonna be not good enough but good enough <laughs> And now you're just bad. And now I'm going to fuck you and feel bad about it. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm going to feel superior because I'm like, obviously hotter than you. Yeah. Or whatever. So even though my body is aging, it's still hotter than what you're bringing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's what I was digging about. Like, that's why I like doing OnlyFans is because there's now like this monetary value to my body. Yeah. Something that I, a, a body I've warred with my entire life. Yeah. So it's like I, I made an agreement with myself where I was like, if I want to keep hating my body, I can do that. I'm allowed to keep hating my body if I want to, but I can't say that I'm not hot because this body paid rent. So I have to at least, I, I can hate the body, but I have to respect it. Yeah. Because uh, it did work. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. But yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, uh, I semi panic when the news came uh, over the weekend because I was just like, Fuck, they're going to take away my, like, this is the thing that made me feel hot. It was the one thing in my life that made me feel like an attractive boy. Right. And I was like, they're going to take it away. Well, there's going to be an alternative. We just need to figure out where is everyone going? Because it needs to be the same platform to keep our clients. We, yeah, we will see. I know Alana Evans at APAG is, uh, she's doing meetings all this week with the big, with all the various options. And then that's why they haven't, like, endorsed one yet. And then, like, in about a week or so, they're going to. Yeah. Tell us they're going to direct us where to go. Good. <laughs> and it's going to be a, it's going to be whores with an arrow sign. <laughs> go here. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll see about that. Some of my customers have already made suggestions of where I should go, and I'm like, I'm not taking, I'm not following what you say. <laughs> I'm using this opportunity to just like try to boost all the other my uh, my like my my social media uh, and the and podcast and everything and email list by. Uh, so right now I've got all these uh, these videos I, I recorded just saying like. You know, slowly take off shirt, be like, hey, today, like, I'm going to give you a free cum shot video if you send me a screenshot of you subscribe to the Man Whore Podcast. So, like, today is just me getting a bunch of DMs of, like, here's screenshots. Please send me this little, this clip. So, so just the back on the asexuality thought, what, like, one, when, when you saw your friends, like, having sex and, like, talking about having sex and talking about being horny, uh, wh- how did you feel thinking, like, that's not exactly how this is working. I just I ha- was sharing none of their interests or like I was I knew it was currency from a very young age that I had to like someone in that way. And I didn't even but I wasn't having any of those feelings or desires. I was not masturbating. I was not having sexual thoughts. It was almost like truly I felt like an alien in a sexual environment where I was just like, 
this means this means nothing to me. I may as well be licking a wall. Like I would, I don't pine for anyone. But it was like I hadn't met a person. I hope you've never told a word. Uh, this feels like licking a wall. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, I didn't hook. I mean, I had a few makeouts, but I didn't have sex until I went to college. Yeah. And then I went to college, and I was like oh, now I'm around like artistic people that I think are attractive and like have interesting ideas and they're kind. And like now I'm like seeing a profile of a person that I can sexualize. It was like my options were so uh, gross to me (laughs) that I was just like, oh, I guess I don't like this. And then I realized, no, I just don't like what was available to me, which was like a very boring white school that just had like, jocks just your typical and like the all the alternative kids like were not doing it for me even Mm. and so i was just kind of my own little like i was i dressed like a skater but i didn't skateboard and like i went to shows by myself and i was just kind of like doing my own thing in high school and then i went to college and i like found a group i booked punk and hardcore shows i like had punk and hardcore friends and then i dated within that circle and it like made sense but I, i don't know if i was just too unsure of myself in high school to even know who to date but Truly, I couldn't access those feelings if I, and I wanted to, because I knew it would make me more desirable just to other people to be friends with, to be like, oh yeah, like I like so-and-so and I try to pretend, but I'm like, I don't even know. Like <laughs> you, know, you, were, you were just at a poker table saying, I ever feel tits since like a bag of sand. <laughs> and everyone's like, Caitlin, what the fuck are you talking about? You ever, you ever go down on, go down on a person and it just, you know, it's like licking a wall, right? Everybody? <laughs> no? Okay. Oops. I couldn't get past making out because I the making out was also meaningless to me. I was just like, okay, like I I just was not horny. I like that was not an emotion that I felt. <laughs> when when was the first time you felt horny? Well, my first boyfriend was this guy Dickery <laughs> when I was uh, turning nineteen. I don't know exactly what I probably was eighteen, and. Uh, yeah, it was my freshman year of high school and I like got to know him through shows and stuff. And I like, I thought he was cool and interesting and he was older than me. And then like we started dating and like, but it was through that relationship building that then I was like, Ooh, like you're interesting. You're hot. Like I want to, I want to have sex with you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but now the word demisexual, demisexual when, when you were in college and when I was in college, I think even like, I don't think that was really around, right? I, I don't. I didn't know that that was an option. So, like, what did you think of yourself as sexually? Like, when you started realize, like, did you did you put together? Oh, I need this order of events to get to horny, or did you just go like, ah, I guess I found one? I kind of just assumed, like, I legit kind of just thought I was asexual in high school, and I didn't want to say that to anyone. Um, I also thought that there might be a chance that there was like a person out there who just didn't exist in my high school for me, <laughs> which is so often the case. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So there was a part of me because I remember I came out as bisexual to a teacher at 15. Um, and I don't know like what I was thinking, because I think I just knew that like there's a hypothetical person and genders irrelevant. And it's not this. And like, that's all I knew. But in the meantime, I'm like, not interested in sex or kissing or dating. I really just wanted to hang out with my friends and be goofy. Like that was the only thing I was interested in. And I knew that in order to hang out with friends, I had to pretend. So I would like make up people from other schools that I was dating that were not real. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And people who liked me who would court me, I would just turn them down. And people would be like, well, what's wrong with so-and-so? And And I'm like, nothing. (laughs) I just... 
There's Brianna two yeah. towns over. You yeah. wouldn't know her. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, I, like Zach was a person, a fake person I dated for a long time. Did you give them backstories? No, not really. I'd always just be like, oh, I can't come out. this." And then like one time I got called on a bluff where I, I said that Zach was in town and then my friends wanted to hang out. I like stayed home all weekend and didn't go anywhere because I had to pretend I was with Zach. <laughs> And then it's like, why couldn't you come hang out with us? And then you have to now buy like we were fucking all weekend. <laughs> just like his cock just... felt like a bag of sand. Was, <laughs> oh, so you hot. keep going to sand. <laughs> You're like sand is the ultimate non-starter. <laughs> we well, saw for you, old virgin, right? No, you didn't. No. Oh, there's an iconic scene. Oh, the, when when the all the guy when the boys discover that Steve Carell's character is a virgin, they're playing poker and they're telling sex stories, and Steve Carell's he's trying to fake it. He's trying to be like, ah, and then he goes like, you know, and they were like, what, what were the tits like? And he was like, you know, it's like when you're like feel a woman's breasts and it's, uh, it's like, you know, a, gr- a bag of sand. Oh, <laughs> and they all were like, wait, what? are you a virgin? <laughs> and that's, that was the big reveal. Got moment. it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Got it. Um, but I thought it, this was a Billy special. You're like sand. <laughs> no, no, no. I wish I was that funny. No. Um, when did you discover the word demisexual? Recently. Um, I'd heard I'd heard of heard of it before, but I didn't really like put it on my I didn't think of it for myself for whatever reason. And then honestly, having a podcast where we talk about sex and dating and it's exclusively for people who are on the spectrum of queerness, like it's made me be more introspective about my own gender, be more introspective about what my actual sexuality is and like put and having to talk every week about like how my week is like I've started to connect dots just from doing it it's almost like my own little like sex therapy where I'm like oh you do this all the time you do this all the time and my co-host is calling me out on it all the time she's like you don't have to date people you don't like and you keep dating this kind of person and people you don't respect and people you don't find attractive and I'm like (laughs) exactly it's my type yeah the whole point is I'm hotter than them and I'm better than them. Right. That's... I just need them to be sweeter and generous and then we can actually get married. <laughs> yeah. And, and you want marriage? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, that was a big oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had health scares. I'm old in my mind. I'm like, I want to build a life with someone. It's part of why it's important to me to move out and like live alone and have my own spot. I feel like I want to manifest the life that I want, which is a partnership with a weirdo, being creative having great sex and being monogamous. <laughs> Do you find the monogamous part uh, is like the difficult part? Yes. And, and, and why is that? I've, I've met some really incredible people who are like queer and non-binary and I like, we get along really well and they, they are not looking for something that serious or, or they're non-monogamous. And I know that I'm like the second f- I'm s- I'm not like a cool jealous person. I'm just a psycho jealous person. And so I'm like, I don't, I wish I had the capacity to be like, yeah, I don't care, babe. Like go enjoy your days with other people. I would be like up all night until they got home. And then they, we'd have to do therapy for like a several weeks to get over the experience. So I'm like, I know I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. And you're also dealing with like New York queers where like Polly is like, the, you know in brooklyn if you're not poly what are you doing right and, then, and then, so i feel like you need like cleveland queers yes you know like they still have those like nice homey relationship values just 
they're quick, right? And it's like, they, yeah, yeah. it's Ohio. Yeah. Well, my my ideal person, I think, has like just moved to the city from one of those places, and I'm like, perfect. Finally, the city else. hasn't ruined you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't go to that coffee shop. I'll give you the wrong idea. <laughs> They've got pamphlets over there. <laughs> Stick with me. Like Bushwick literally has coffee shops that like sell porn. Oh really? Yeah, like I think the the little skips by uh, Myrtle Broadway, they sell the Math Magazine, which is like an indie, you know, like like a you know adult mag. Got but it's it. Not, it's not like porny porn. It's like yeah. porn. But yeah, um, you know, it's like th- that's that's what Bushwick's about. We will we will sell you porn and coffee and scone and have a nice day. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. why I can't live in Brooklyn. So doing the so doing straight guys, like what what have you been learning doing this little self therapy for the last like because you've been doing a show about what like six months or yes yeah, since November. Yeah, um, I've learned that I am non-binary myself. Ah. Uh, I was with a closeted trans ex for ten years. Okay, and so I I thought that having gender dysphoria looked that way and i i never questioned my own gender stuff because like i wasn't feeling punished as being identified as a cis woman like it didn't like it didn't like bring me great shame or discomfort someone saying she they i mean she hurt to me because i saw like what my ex was going through being identified as a man and how much that upset them and uh just living day to day with that for 10 years i just never even thought about it and then like having people come on and explain their own non-binary definitions like someone we had a guest on who just explained like what their womanhood means to them and how it extends beyond like the idea and concept of being a woman and it just stuck with me for like a week and i was like i think i need to like look at this and then now i'm looking back and remembering things that i've completely ignored about like I've always wanted to have a penis. <laughs> always, uh, I st- like I think about it whenever I'm with an AFAB partner. How badly I want one, and how jealous I am that I don't have one. And that's why, like, I love wearing a strap on when I'm with a partner that has a penis. I don't think these thoughts. Um, yeah, it only comes you, up when it's I. It's like in your mind you have a one penis policy. You don't care who has it. Yes, there the, needs I to be want one and only one penis. Yeah, and I love penetration. So, like, when I was exclusively dating. Um, AFAB partners for a long time, um, they would often give me the feedback of like their arms are tired from having to finger fuck me so hard <laughs> or like use, using a dildo the way I wanted it. Like I, I've always, regardless of what genitalia or presentation of gender my partner has, I've always loved hard, hard penetration. And so it's been overwhelming to people who don't have a penis. <laughs> yeah. So and, and and so with your relationship with gender, which I've been hearing on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I also like from ta- having these conversations with people and getting exposed to other ideas. It kind of just makes you start going like, well, how does this apply to my life? Right. 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 There's like things that I didn't think I needed to think about. But then like now that we're ta- now that I'm like taking the time to think about it in this formatted way every week, I'm like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like can't. There's like things I couldn't ignore once I was like, oh, wait, but like that's me. <laughs> yeah. And I think whether it's, um, you know, gender identity or sexual orientation or kink or even like monogamy versus non monogamy, I think a lot of people who, like, as you said, kind of like never really had to think about it. If they did think about it, I think a lot more people would identify so differently if yeah. they like, took 10 minutes to be like, yeah. Am I just defaulting into right. everything? We do. I, we all, I was just having this conversation with my mom. I was like, my nephew who's turning 12 this month is 
such a toxic little dude mm. and like a, like of course he's straight because like he's just been raised in this way that i'm like yeah like you didn't of course this is how you turned out god only knows what you would have thought if you were raised with other options other other examples of ways to be and i was just saying to my mom i was like if culture from the time we were born as babies was like you can be these three instead of a man or a woman it was always just these three choices you could be a man or a woman or as non-binary and that was just normal it was like seen as a viable option all things equal just mm. it was just you could be any of those things we're all going to choose different things and at different yeah. points like same thing with sexuality i'm like if these things were always just known acceptable choices people like choices people are gonna like but like it's not it's not normalized it's not socialized and you don't see examples of success and it doesn't feel like a viable option so or maybe you just don't even know people like that around you but if we all had these options given to us from birth we would all be different things (laughs) yeah like i think it's fine if people choose monogamy totally to choose it like you seem to have chosen monogamy right you knew your options and you're like this is the one that fits me yeah There's so many people who won't even explore the concept yeah it's like i've seen people like almost get um defensive about their own monogamy just by like having a comp like just talking to me for five minutes at a party and like be- when it if it comes out that i'm non-monogamous they start like having to defend their own thing because the existence of mine now threatens theirs right and I'm like, it doesn't. But I think you just realized that like you might have chosen the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> I think the same thing's true with people who get uncomfortable with vegetarians. It's like <laughs> just the existence of me not choosing to eat meat has made you now like want to give me a hard time. I'm like, you, that's your insecurity about food, bro. I didn't say anything about what you're eating. Like you're making it weird, not me. So yeah, I think that when people get upset if you're not drinking, if you're not eating meat if you're having a different kind of sex life than them they're just like if they're threatened by it that's their own hang up absolutely yeah you know but you know if it was like an option when it comes to like gender identity if it's like if it's like oh well what if you could choose man woman or non-binary but then at that point isn't the man woman part just who gives a fuck and is it should should we just eliminate the concept of gender entirely and go back to like what bit hey you're pretty i'm into this gosh i hope you have the genitalia i'm into uh if you happen to only be into one right yeah why can't we go back to that and then because i don't know my as i learn more about these concepts of gender and i i dated someone who who's non who's uh genderqueer and and came out during the relationship Mm -hmm. so i had like lots of questions and i'm and for them it wasn't about um like a body dysphoria it wasn't like some days i wake up and i want a dick like it was more like i just i don't feel like a boy i don't feel like a girl yeah and i'm like i don't feel like a man right when people say man like that doesn't feel right but then also it's like i don't feel like i'm in a wrong body right and i'm like so then is it mean i'm not a man or i thought the idea the tenets of like modern day feminism was like we're trying to eliminate the concept of like a boy or like a girl so i mean for me i know i've I've been playing, I've been toying around with like, I use the, the, um, I like the little gray shirt guy or person. I like the little gray shirt yeah. person and the emojis. Yeah. I use that one. Uh, I've been using that for like a little bit, like just a low key unannounced. I don't know if people think I'm being like an ally or about myself, but I'm like, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, and like that just, I don't know, that felt like so much less pressured, but yeah. I don't know. I think through having the conversations I have on this podcast, I'm just trying to like learn more. And I feel like when the dust settles on this gender conversation, I will assign myself accordingly. Cause I, I've heard you talk about like, I don't want to co-opt an identity by mistake. Right. I look like a dumpy dude most days. I feel like if I identify differently, I'd still, I wouldn't change a look. Right. Right. And if I have to keep like explaining to someone when they perceive, if I'm still going to be treated like a man, 
because I'm not going to change anything of the way right. I look, then what's the purpose, I guess, right. in all of that? Um, have you found any peace or comfort in uh, a new gender, a different gender identity? Yeah, and I have no plans on altering my body, right. you know? So, and I kind of, I actually, I've always been very attracted to that friction of, like things don't match up. Mm-hmm. Like that's also definitely a part of my sexuality. Like that's the person I was attracted to in high school. The only person was a very butch cheerleader, like did not fit the body type, did not walk the way they did. Like I was just kind of like, how are you a cheerleader? And I love it. Like I first I was like, I don't know if I want to be this person or I want to have sex <laughs> with this person. And then I was like, I think it's both. So I think I love the idea of like, it's meaningless like to say that like if I wanted to identify as a man and I still have tits and I still have long hair it's like oh well (laughs) like it's kind of like I kind of like that even better being like these things don't have to be the like they're two different things like when you look at the gingerbread man (laughs) like meme you know it's like or it's not a meme it's a thing that's used often in like LGBTQ spaces explaining like big fan of the gingerbread diagram yeah Yeah, I'll link in the show I I, I can't count how many times I've linked it in this okay so yeah I mean I think that it's good to remind people that it's like your or like your gender performance versus what your gender presentation versus your gender identity are two separate things and Mm -hmm. that is the thing that people get confused about and I've even struggled when like I've had friends who dress and are, are like dress hyper femme, like have a very naturally feminine body, like they're very curvy. And then they'll say like, I'm non-binary. And like those, that profile is usually the most I have to do an extra step in my head of not she, her, not she, her. <laughs> <laughs> not it. Not it. And then you say, it, uh, you play it. Like, ooh, ooh, my bad. <laughs> uh, how, so how long have you been identifying as non-binary now? Since your since your co has called you out on your uh, your pronoun change in your bio, <laughs> yeah, I didn't say anything, and then Kate's like, "I noticed something," and I was like, "Okay," I was trying to just do it on the DL and see how it felt. <laughs> and how did it feel? Like, like how how has it been feeling? And it it feels like this is what I've always been because even though I like to dress more on, I'm not super femme, but like I definitely dress on the more femme end of the spectrum. Like, I've always had this big undercut. I think I have very masculine energy when people get to know me. I mean, it's a mixture, but I I think that I have sex in a masculine way. I think that whenever I've been with other AFABs, like I usually take a more masculine role if they, if we're looking for that dynamic. Um, so it just it's just making more sense to me mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't, I mean, also like what the hell does it even mean to be a woman? It's all, it's all kind of meaningless. Right. Like there's a 5 million different ways you can be a woman. We only uh, pay homage to like two types in media, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can, I mean, so yeah, it's complicated, but, but you- I feels natural. Like doing this just feels like, oh, this is more natural than subscribing to like most folks interpretation of being a woman. Mm-hmm. But the only real, like the only, I, 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 I might use the wrong word, functional or effective change was just a pronoun in a bio. Yeah. Because it's not like you changed presentation, you didn't change too much, you didn't change the name. You just, right. Like, you just, so is it like a feeling of feeling seen by yeah. like people on the internet? Yeah. And I think it's also, it feels like a nice tool to make, because I think it's been easy now that I've been... Uh, letting cis men come into my dating life mm. that cis straight men i should say so many queer chicks right now shaking their head 
just like that scene chasing Amy. Like another one by some, okay. (laughs) So like now that I've let that subgroup in, I feel like it's easy for them to not really respect my queerness or my queer identity because they're like, oh, well, it's not making them confront my queerness. And it's like, now it's like, well, no, like, I don't want you to treat, like, I don't want this dynamic with you of you treating me like a heterosexual. Like, I feel like they're just like, wink, wink. Yeah. You're whatever they think I am. Like, bye. You're bye. You're like, yeah, but it's like, they otherwise just are letting the relationship play out and like not respecting my queerness. And it has come up where I've been like, call them out for, things and i feel like they're just not respecting the fact that like i have lived a queer life and had limitations because of it Mm -hmm. um and i've had significant relationships with other queer people where like i've had you know to pick up my trans ex-husband at a gas station because someone was threatening him because he was wearing a dress you know like i feel like it kind of pisses me off when i now date says people and they just want to treat me like we're all I'm really just one of them and I'm like no I'm really not one of you <laughs> it's part of you like I want you to know s- straight guy or cis lady I want you to know like you're in a way more queer relationship yeah. than you may be experiencing exactly yeah. like you want them to share in the queer experience of the relationship unit right because I, I I end up feeling like kind of invisible and then like if I go to meet their friends or do something that they want to do I'm like Oh, I feel like I'm just being treated as like, just like, there's no, none of my queerness is like represented in the way that they ask me, even just the things they would ask me to do. I'm like, do you forget that I am queer? Of course I don't want to go see this jam band. (laughs) What? (laughs) Are you, no, we do not appreciate dead hate on this show. (laughs) Even if an idiot, I was supposed to go to the dead show on Saturday and then ended up not going because I was like feeling weird about fucking crowds of that side all of a sudden but fucking then the next day i saw the news a dude in his 40s from the fifth floor thought it'd be fun uh to jump off the rail and do a flip was not successful oh my god died because he landed on fucking concrete oh my five god five floors during intermission the band played after the intermission <laughs> oh my god and the police were quoted as saying we believe he might have been under the, an influence at a grateful dead show oh my god um, I, what i mean what kind of tips do you have any tips that you would give to either like straight guys or just like guys who would be dating like a non-binary person like yourself who's femme presenting or or to a, a cis queer chick um do you have any like tips that you'd want to give to be like, hey, keep this in mind if you're in this situation? I think like genuinely asking yourself, like, is this a space that you think a queer person feels safe in? Mm-hmm. Or are they the, am I bringing them to things where they're always probably the only queer person here? Am I asking them to hang out in like my intimate group of friends? And I kind of realize that they talk in a way that's probably like not very queer inclusive or mindful of that. Like, um, yeah, just like just small microaggressions of like just defaulting to straight things like in the way that they talk in converse their friend them and their friends just default to like heterosexual norms in conversation in a way that just feels like oh, I'm like really a part of a very straight existence where like you don't consume any culture that's like queer. And when I've and it's, I really struggled with this because like I've dated some people that I'm like they seem great, but I'm like you don't have to be gay to date me, but I'm like, if I can't imagine you being a good hang at a drag show or what am I going to do when pride comes? That's huge for me. If I feel like I have to pretend I'm not dating you at pride, like you're probably not going to be a great partner to me. So I would ask yourself if you're dating someone who's queer and you're not queer, 
Would I be a great hang at Pride? Would I go and dance and be comfortable in a queer space as a straight person? Will you wear some fucking glitter and yes. for like a weekend? Yeah. I mean, seriously. like yeah, Seriously. Because <laughs> there I've been, there are straight people who I think can be a great hang and like be a part of queer spaces and it doesn't feel like the record scratches when you're mm-hmm. there. And I think that it's like asking yourself, how do I like absorb more of that culture? You know? Would you be a record scratch when you hang out with all black people because you're so fucking white and you're not exposed to like anything to do with black culture? It's kind of like the same thing. Mm. It's like you notice that there's still not as much interracial dating as I think that there probably ought to be. And I think that's because we're uncomfortable, the idea of like being around people that are, but we take that more seriously. Like I think the idea of, I would hope Mm. of, okay, like I'm I'm a white person dating a black person, you know? Am I making situations uncomfortable because of my whiteness? Mm. You know? Yeah. S- same, similar situation. No, I don't want to bring you that jam band. No, I don't want to go to the jam band. <laughs> uh, same outcome. Uh, <laughs> so weird. Um, Kaylin, thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a little bonus episode for the Patreon folks. That will come out tomorrow to all the $5 and up fan whores out there. But uh, for now, Kaylin, where can people go to find you, find your work, uh, hear your podcast? Uh, you can find me on all the socials at the Caitlin Reese. I'm going to be recording my album through Helium Comedy Records the second weekend of November at CT Comedy Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, that's S-E-A-T-E-A Comedy Theater. And I, um, you can find my podcast, Straight Guys, anywhere that you can subscribe to podcasts. And that is a queer comedy podcast. Sometimes it's serious, though. <laughs> but we try to be funny. Fantastic. Uh, well, thanks again. Uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Bye. Monogamous people, settle down. They're just jokes. We're just having some fun. Your way of living and loving and fucking is totally valid. And some of you are even really fucking good at sex. Don't take it personally. Just as a joke. But you do you do need to disclose that you're monogamous if you're swiping on field. I'm sorry. It's just if I got to disclose I'm not monogamous, I'm Bumble. You know, field, that's kind of our space. So please identify yourselves. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Caitlin Reese. There's a lot going on in this episode, a lot to possibly identify with. And we would love for you to join us in the champagne room and share your thoughts on the conversation and on the topics. We have an episode discussion channel in the champagne room, which you can join at manhorpod.com slash discord. If you want to shoot me an email with your comments, your advice questions, your criticisms, you can send any and all of that over to manhorpod at gmail.com. Californians, my California fan whores, what's up? Got to talk to you for a second. There is a recall election coming up for your governorship. You are all mailed a ballot so conveniently. It is really important that you vote no on recalling Gavin Newsom to question one. You vote no. Because if you recall him, it's not like you're also going to get to vote for someone who has compassion for people. The leading candidate in the recall election is this guy, Larry Elder, who wants to, who has vowed to remove all mask mandates and all vaccine mandates if he becomes governor. Cause like he, he thinks that just all Californians should be allowed to get COVID. I know, I, I'm sorry to be a New Yorker telling Californians what to do in their state, but it's like, if you don't like Gavin Newsom, elect someone else next year. Yeah, I know some of you don't like when this show sounds political, but let me let me just spin your brain for a moment. Remember what Madison Young once said on here, 
all sex is political. Haha, this was a politics podcast the entire time. Y'all, we're almost at episode 400. Isn't that fucking nuts? Isn't that wild? I've got the Pepsi challenge coming up to celebrate the milestone. Thank you all for being on this journey of self-discovery with me. And thank you all for staying slutty. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout.